WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. And like that, we're back. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. Yes, we've been off the air for the last few months, so we have a lot to catch up on. We went off the air when the coronavirus pandemic was just ramping up. Our last episode, March 22nd, there were 71 cases in North Carolina. Think about that, 71 cases. This weekend, we're right around 70,000 cases here. Also this spring, Charlotte lost the Republican National Convention. The governor and local leaders couldn't agree with the RNC on a safe way to host those 20,000 people at the Spectrum Center this summer, especially the way they wanted, without masks. Well, in its new home, Jacksonville, Florida, we learned just this last week that uh, masks, guess what? They're going to be mandatory down there, something Republicans were hoping to avoid here in Charlotte. And in the middle of the pandemic came the deaths of Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. It led to the protests in the uh, city streets all across the world, here in Charlotte as well. Those protests really woke up a lot of people to the social injustices that our, our black and brown friends face every single day. So it has been a long few months for America and North Carolina. Yesterday, we celebrated America's 244th birthday. Today, we look forward to what the rest of 2020 brings. Joining me now, local Congresswoman Alma Adams. Uh, Congressman, thanks for talking with us today. We appreciate it. Well, thank you. We have so much to talk about, so much to catch up on. It's been a while since we've chatted. Um, let's start, though, with the coronavirus. Do you feel that your constituents uh, should be um, upset and frustrated with the government response? Um, absolutely. You know, this has been a, a very devastating experience for uh, not only North Carolina, but the nation. Um, and I just believe, first of all, the administration started off uh, very, very slow. We got, we were behind the curve. And so we did not, uh, I think we lost a lot of lives that we did not need to lose because our response was so slow. Uh, and then uh, the state seemed to be kind of uh, going for themselves. They, we didn't have, they didn't have the PP. Uh, e and all the other things that they needed, and it was just back and forth uh, with the administration. But then, uh, you know, the states have a responsibility to our legislatures to uh, do uh, what they could do to make sure that um, uh, people were served. And I just think uh, we did not, we didn't have that. We we should be frustrated. Uh, people are still frustrated. People are are still out of work. So it, we it, we it's not uh, what we. Um, I think deserve uh, what our citizens deserved, and um, hopefully, as we move forward, uh, we can um, get our arms around this. Looks like North Carolina uh, is maybe almost back to square one. Uh, with people, the citizens need to participate a little more than they have as well. Do you feel like students should go back to class? Uh, I, I know teaching's uh, something near and dear to your heart. Uh, do you think they should go back to class this fall and actually be in school? Um, I think the students miss being there. They miss the uh, interactions that they have. If, one, if, if we do get our young people back in school, there's going to be a, it's a tremendous challenge in terms of adhering to the social distancing and so forth. Um, I, I think that, yeah, I would prefer to see them back. However, if we can do it safely, if we can uh, adhere to the standards that we know will keep them safe, um, the, the, the 
the staff and the teachers, and I think safety's got to be a primary issue. I want to talk about the, the recent protests we've seen uh, here in North Carolina and, and across the country, really across the world. You came out pretty strongly uh, against the use of chemical agents on those protesters. Tell us about that. Well, I'm still feeling strongly about it. I think, um, first of all, those those uh, chemicals are, are. I don't think they are appropriate uh, for uh, our uh, for for protesters, particularly people who are protesting peacefully. And um, you know, of course, we we had some people out there who had uh, other other ambitions. Uh, but I think when you release those kinds of chemicals on American citizens, that that's not what was intended. During the recent protests, you heard the phrase defund the police. What does that mean to you? Well, for me, it means that I think people are looking for other ways to um, uh, to utilize the, um, the the services of the of the police. And I think police are probably looking for that too, because many of them are serving and as um, uh, as counselors and you know dealing with people with uh, mental health issues. Um, uh, domestic violence. I mean, there are instances we do need to make sure that our communities are safe. And I think there is a place for the police, uh, but we need to kind of redefine uh, what it is they do. I think when they were saying defund the police, uh, and some of them maybe not really thinking it through, uh, just take all the money away. I don't think we, we should do that because we do have to have our police. We need safety in our communities, and the police, um, I think, have a, a role to play there. Should Fort Bragg be renamed? Yeah, I do think so. <laughs> I've said that. Um, I think, um, you know, here we are now, 2020. I don't think we need to celebrate uh, uh, people who have um, basically... Uh, not been the kind of warriors and that that represent um, uh, racist uh, actions and and attitudes and um, have really you know we I don't think we need to uh, celebrate those things that that are negative now they may be a part of history but I, I'm, I'm we don't need to sell we don't need to celebrate that we don't need to celebrate slavery it's a part of history and we need to know about it we need to learn about it and we need to learn from it but yeah, I think we I think we do better doing that. Who should be Joe Biden's vice president? An African American woman. Okay, so you thinking okay. is you thinking Kamala Harris? You thinking yourself? Who who are you thinking? Oh, I'm not I'm not in that mix. Don't want to be, but I'm certainly working hard to make sure that uh, Joe Biden becomes the very, the next president of the United States. What are we up to on the hat collection? Last time you and I saw each other in person, <laughs> we, we, we got a, a up close look. What are we at now? Well, I'm 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 only about two uh, above the the last number, so I'm at. Uh, 1,205. I think when I talked to you last, I was at two, uh, 203. So maybe this weekend, I'll be able to uh, to build it a little more. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Congresswoman, always a pleasure. Thank you for taking time. Good. Good to talk to you, Ben. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Be safe. Keep your distance and wash your hands. Will do. More Flashpoint after this. All right.
really desperate. Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going. But when his request got stalled, Craig contacted the defenders and asked, where's the money? I know that after you contacted them, things moved pretty fast. Just glad we could help you. If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure, the WCNC Charlotte Defenders are here to help. Email us at thedefenders at wcnc.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money, only on WCNC Charlotte. Welcome back. We are at the halfway point of 2020, many hoping the second half of the year will be better. In the first half, we saw a surge in coronavirus cases across the country, the push to end social injustices, and the RNC being pulled from Charlotte. Joining us now, Charlotte City Councilman Republican Tark Bakari and Democrat Larkin Eggleston. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us on this uh, renewed version of Flashpoint, frequent guests of, of the past one. Uh, let me give it, begin with you, Tark. Do you feel like when it comes to the coronavirus, we'll start there, do you feel like your constituents should be um, pleased, should be okay with their government's response? Now, we could talk li different levels of government for sure, but in general, your constituents, should they be satisfied with their government's response? I mean, I, I think it's a complicated answer, right? I think um, a lot of people have worked very hard for the last three months and um, have done the absolute best job they could uh, given really challenging circumstances. I look at the county and Gibby Harris, our, our, our colleagues over on the county commission. I mean, when we first started down this path and looked at those models and we had nothing but those models to look at, it was very scary. And I gotta say, I could have nitpicked a couple little things here and there, but I think based on where they were, they did what they had to do and they made the right, the right calls for the time. I think since then though, particularly particularly in the last month, month and a half, uh, I, I, I would say that a lot of uh, our constituents are severely confused by the lack of consistency in what's been going on, uh, confused by the real actual data now that is not telling us the same things that the models have told us. And they're just frustrated by a lack of transparency, really from Governor Cooper, to be quite honest, because at the end of the day, um, small businesses are losing their livelihoods, they're closing up shop, and they're not going to reopen. And the, the minimum that they deserve, not saying let's take this uh, virus unseriously, but the minimum they deserve is an explanation on seemingly illogical things like, why can a restaurant open that has a bar, but a bar that doesn't have a restaurant not open? Why can a brewery that sells pretzels not open, but one uh, or can open, but one that doesn't can't? So these are things that I think um, lack a little bit in the leadership. I think a lot of people, particularly the small businesses and hospitality workers that are struggling right now are looking for. Sure. And, and I want to get more to what you think about the, the, the job the governor's done coming up in just a second. But Larkin, I want to ask you the exact same question. How do you feel like your constituents should feel? Should they feel satisfi satisfied with their government's response to the coronavirus? Well, you'll not be surprised that I disagree with Tark as far as the governor's concerned, but I do think that um, no one's gotten this perfect anywhere in the country at any level of government, and nor do I think people could possibly expect anyone's going to get it all perfect. But I do think that, that what's been done at all, um, at all levels of local government, state government, um, we can talk about the federal later maybe, but I think at a local and a state level, it's been done with good intentions. It's been done with the best information that they can get their hands on. And frankly, there's just not any way for people to know exactly what the right move is. And we're seeing states now that tried a different path than ours that are having to, to pull back on that. So I think that that underscores the validity of, of the decisions that have been made at our state level. 
Um, but at a local level, we are very mindful of the pain that it's caused small businesses. And I think that's been a big part of our focus. While the county really is the leader on the health side of things, we've tried to look at uh, the impacts that it's having in our economy and on the small businesses and do what we can to help there. All right, Tark, let's bring you back in here at, at this point. Um, you, you were highly critical of the governor uh, when it came to dealing, the R, dealing with the RNC and the fact that, that, that Charlotte lost um, the, the convention. You, you both supported the idea of bringing it here, but we know it was a controversial decision for a couple of years now. Um, but when, when, it, when it comes to criticizing the governor and, and how North Carolina officials handled it, um, it, it, it strikes me as, as perhaps a bit unfair when you look at now, it looks like Florida is adopting very similar stances when it comes to the RNC now that it's in their state. Um, and that's basically, hey, we can't responsibly do this without masks, or we can't responsibly do this without social distancing. And, and that's what struck me that the folks here in North Carolina um, were, were saying really all along and, and being criticized for it. Um, and we try hard on the show not to have bias, but if we do have a bias, it's a pro-Charlotte bias. And the folks of Charlotte were really done over on this one, and the hospitality industry is left in a lurch, and they're good small businesses that were completely, um, I'm trying to think of an appropriate word to say on Flashpoint, but they, they were treated unfairly because of this, and they were unfair victims of this. Is it really fair to blame the, the governor in this when it seems like by a lot of objective analysis, it was the RNC that perhaps was being uh, unrealistic about expectations? You see, I think the answer to that question is the same rebuttal to what Larkin just said as well, which is it seems today when somebody says something bluntly or maybe egotistically or just raw, right, they are they are the unreasonable person. And when someone is being a politician and doing things sophisticated and behind the scenes, they're the ones who's taking the high road and just doing what we all need. And I think this is a perfect scenario of the exact opposite of that. You had, of course, the, the president's tweet, is that the most effective way uh, to negotiate? Many might say no. I might say, knowing what I know was going on behind the scenes, they were in a gridlock with Governor Cooper attempting to get him to give them some kind of assurances. Again, the word of the day in all of this is good faith. I had it on one of my scrolls in my Geraldo style uh, live stream on this. Um, good faith means that you're coming to the table and while things aren't exactly what you want or the other party wants, you're willing to find a blend in this case between safety and economic impact and the ability to put on over a hundred million dollar event. So while things in Jacksonville obviously are evolving and they have to take safety very seriously. The big difference is they're probably sitting down and I know they are in good faith and saying, all right, but how do we work with this? Because I know, and Ronna McDaniel confirmed it in an interview afterwards that she said, well, Governor Cooper, what if we brought the numbers down to below 10,000? What if we required masks at everything except optional at the acceptance speech? What if we did testing like they do at the White House? All of those things. And Governor Cooper did not say, well, all right, but let's figure out this or that. It was a hard no. 
So that's the difference between what's going on and going to likely happen in Jacksonville, which may not be a complete full convention as we know it. It may be and probably will be ratcheted back in ways. And what happened in Charlotte is that they were operating in good faith for those small businesses, for those hospitality workers that needed that impact. And for me, that's the pro-Charlotte, Charlotte cheerleader line right there, which is the small business and hospitality workers who have just been screwed. Yeah, that's the word I was trying to avoid earlier, but <laughs> there wasn't a, there wasn't a, a, a better one. Uh, Larkin, uh, what do you think, though? Because I, I feel like you look at the DNC, the DNC has said, listen, guys, we really can't do this appropriately. It's too much to ask of Milwaukee. Is, is, is Tark right that, I mean, cities like Charlotte and Milwaukee were, were being unfair about this? No, I don't think the cities were being unfair. And, and frankly, Charlotte, I was I, the city of Charlotte, if that's what we're talking about, I think was being completely fair. We continued to say, if this can be held and can be held safely, we are willing to do so. And so I don't think the city of Charlotte did anything um, that was not in good faith. But as someone who is a delegate for the Democratic National Convention, I never expected to go to Milwaukee because the stage was set early on. The Democratic Party said, we're not going to host a convention if we can't host it safely. And as things started to trend the way they were trending nationwide with the disease, I think everyone realized that there was no way you could hold a normal convention. So they're doing what they can there. They're still going to spend money in Milwaukee, um, as the Republicans will to a very small extent here and a slightly larger extent in Jacksonville. But it's, it's being done remotely now. They've just informed us in the last two weeks that we'll be uh, not coming to Milwaukee. We'll be staying in our home states. Uh, and I think everybody thinks that's a responsible decision. I think ultimately... Jacksonville is going to probably end up looking much the same because they're starting to realize they can't host the, the party that Donald Trump wanted to be hosted there either. It's science, guys. This is not partisan. Anybody tries to act like... Well, hold on a sec. Hold on. Quickly, so if it's science, quickly. Quickly. If it's science, and I'm not saying let's be reckless, why is everything we hear from mainstream media outlets number, hard number of, of positive infected cases, when in fact, the number that really matters is hospitalizations and it's mortality rates. And when, and when you look say, at the mortality rates- Tark, we gotta go to commercial break. I will tell you every single morning, five days a week on Wake Up Charlotte, we say repeatedly, the number of cases on its own is not important. That it's the percentage of positive cases, which is not great news right now in the Carolinas. And it's also the hospitalizations. I say that no, line, I say that line, <laughs> I say that literally <laughs> probably five times every single morning to make sure that people do understand the context. There's we've one got, good at out there. We, we've got a lot more to talk about on the other side of this break. Stay here. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home and trusting us on Facebook by giving WCNC Charlotte more followers than any other local TV news source. Thanks again for making us number one. Download the WCNC Charlotte News app and find out why WCNC.com is the number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. The number one local choice for TV news is WCNC.com. Download the WCNC News app today. Experience the difference. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home and on Facebook by giving WCNC Charlotte more followers than any other local TV news source. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. We're joined once again by Tark Bakari and Larkin Eggleston, uh, city council members. Uh, gentlemen, I want to talk about the fact we got a new police chief this week. Uh, it comes after the fact that we uh, um, saw weeks of protests uh, here in Charlotte and really across the country. Larkin, I'll begin with you. Do you think we are in a better place as a city than we were, say, a month or so ago? 
I do think we're in a better place. That doesn't mean we don't still have uh, a long ways to go. And I think we have started on work that is going to be more medium and long range. Uh, but we've done some quick things that we think were necessary in the short term. We're excited to have uh, Johnny Jennings as our new chief, who's a longtime Charlotte guy. And, uh, and I think he will be good for the city. And I think a lot of the changes we're making now will be good for the city going forward. Tark, what do you think? Do you think we're in a better place? I mean, you were down there. I, I, I saw pictures of you um, as were most city council members uh, marching and talking with some folks. Um, uh, what do you think about the status of things right now versus, say, a month or, month or so ago? I mean, I think that we are better off now uh, in some ways and worse off. The better off ways are um, there's a spotlight nationwide, globally, but also particularly in Charlotte on really a, a system that is still you know, rife with racial inequities. Um, but there is still... Um, there is still a really big downside right now because our police morale has never been worse. It's never been worse in the entire time, almost two decades I, I've lived in Charlotte than right now. And it's, I think because they feel like they've been completely and un unnecessarily in some cases thrown under the bus and something that was about a more national movement has now really put them directly in the crosshairs. And it's because of certain individual leaders actions uh, and, and words they've used. And it's just, we have to be smarter about both sides of the coin because this is very complicated stuff. Larkin, anything you would respond with that too? Uh, I mean, I do think we got a lot of work to do. We need to be working with our police officers uh, to improve these things, but we've got to be doing it with the community too. And I think that part of, part of the problem is we've put too many things on police officers plates that should have probably never been there. And we've got to find better ways to handle a lot of those situations. I think that's good for the police and good for the community. Yeah, you hear a lot of people making uh, comments like that. Um, all right, gentlemen, thank you so much. It's nice to have you back. It's been a while since we've had you on the show. A uh, little different with it being, you know, over um, Skype or Zoom or something like that. But appreciate the healthy, robust uh, debate either way. Gentlemen, thank you. Tornadoes, the tropical storm, severe weather is extreme weather, and we're here to keep you safe and to help you navigate your day. The First Warn team is there for you, no matter the conditions and the location. We're in your hand with the WCNC weather app, and we'll always be there on WCNC Charlotte. So wake up, plan your day and your life. The First Warn storm team will be there for you. Welcome back to Flashpoint. You know, earlier this week, I asked folks on Twitter, uh, when it comes to 2020, which will be better, <laughs> the first half of the year or the second half? And it seems like we've got some optimists out there. That's good news. About 70% of you say the second half of the year will be better. Which, by the way, brings us to a, a bigger point. When we decided to bring back the show, we wanted to make sure that we make this thing interactive. So come interact with me on my, my Twitter and Facebook platforms. Let us know what we're talking about, usually talking about politics, in addition to some pop culture things as well. If you want us something to cover or if you don't like something that was said, something our guest said, something I said, and that's quite possible, let me know, reach out, let's chat. That's all for today. We'll see you back here Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Have a great week.